This episode of the PC Perspective Podcast is brought to you by Braintree. Even the best mobile app won't work without the right payments API. That's where the Braintree V.0 SDK comes in. One amazingly simple integration gives you every way to pay. Try out the sandbox and see for yourself at braintreepayments.com slash PCPer. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 389. Yep. It's literally on the screen. Yeah, but that's really, it's far away from me. And on the document and dim. reading, we're almost, we're like 10 away from. You've typed it like three times today. Yeah, In but. 10 more podcasts, we're just going to have to let Josh do the intro. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> uh, today is March 2nd, 2016. I'm Ryan Shrout. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Alan Malentano. And I'm Mari Tattleman. Uh, and uh, Jeremy is away on um, escapades, beer fests. Yeah, he's doing something down in Mexico. No, he, oh, he's doing something he's doing down in Mexico. Tequila fests. Doing something <laughs> down in Mexico. Uh, so let's go ahead and, and jump into stuff here, guys. We've got a lot going on this week. Uh, obviously, we record the show on Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Pacific, at pcpercom slash live. Um, we do other events. Yes. At that URL, we will have no, one don't. coming up. No, you're right. We don't. Um, but if you need reminders about uh, these events that we do, if you go to pcpro.com slash subscribe, you can sign up for a mailing list. You get this little form here. It basically just asks for your name and your email address. It's really Social simple. security number. Social security number. CV2. Your, yeah, CV2. We don't even need your credit card number. Just the <laughs> CV2. Yeah. Oh, we already have your credit card number. Yeah, we're, yeah we're, that's true. We already got that. That's yeah. true. Um, so you get that info there, and we send you an email an hour, day, or whatever it is before we're doing any kind of a special event. Um, we are still going through our Patreon campaign here. Uh, want to thank people who have signed on in the last week. I was gone uh, during the podcast last time, so I don't know how much you guys talked about this. But uh, we're still going strong here. We actually had a reduction in our per month in the last couple of days. Mm. We haven't lost any patrons, but people, I think, that maybe signed up originally didn't realize that this is a monthly recurring uh, yeah. thing. Well, that was nice of them to not just, like, kill it completely and just, right. like, reduce it. And nobody's killed it. They've, like, oh, I'm going to reduce from this to this, which is perfectly fine. Yeah, you're, cool. you're able to do that. The system is, is very friendly for that. Uh, but a Patreon campaign basically lets you guys contribute directly to us, uh, to the website, to the content, um, and we're trying – I really want us to hit that $3,000 a month goal where we do the mailbag show because that's what I really want to – that's like the, the thing we're really I really want to do. No, we're only close to 2000 Oh. <laughs> 3000 was, was, was the mailbag. The, what was it, the 2000 mark? Oh, that was bringing uh, on more people. More – another like part-timer or bringing a part-timer on more. Yeah. So – Old-timer, part-timer. Old-timer, part-timer. So patreon.com slash pcper and we appreciate uh, your support there. And then um, – Speaking of other live streams that are going on, first thing I'll mention, uh, Saturday is the Fragging Frogs VLAN um, that they are hosting through our forums. If you go to forums.pcpro.com, go to the gaming session. They're going to have basically an all-day gaming session on Saturday. Virtual LAN parties are actually really fun. Uh, But on Sunday, we are hosting uh, this thing, a 12-hour live stream uh, on Sunday, March 6th with prizes, guests, and fun. Uh, and you can see this bullhorn clearly tells you that things are going to be loud and fun. Yeah. This is called streaming out loud for, for 
No particular reason. We've had a pun generator. and Yeah, this is the best we can come up with, I'm going to be honest with you. So March 6th, starting at noon Eastern, going to midnight Eastern uh, at PCPro.com slash live. We will do uh, a bunch of stuff. We have guests, including Patrick Norton, Tom Peterson, Andrew Coonrad from Logitech, Jacob uh, from EVGA, David Hewlett from the Internet, uh, Dan Baker from Oxide Games, which would be an interesting discussion based on what we're going to talk about later. Ben Kuchera from Polygon. We've got a whole list of prizes here with a couple more companies still um, sending in stuff. We've got EVGA, AMD, Corsair, Logitech, MSI, OCZ. All these guys are donating prizes for our live stream. Uh, in terms of activities that we're going to do, we're going to have VR discussions with Ben. Alan's going to teach us about soldering. We're going to do some Q&As through our chat and Twitter and Patreon groups. Uh, we're going to have Sebastian build a table PC from Leanne Lee. We're going to do some gaming sessions. we got some racing to do, some Rocket League, some Unreal Tournament 2004, I'm sure. Uh, Ken has challenged me to a Steam controller challenge where he believes that me with a mouse... And a keyboard. And a keyboard, yes. <laughs> Just a mouse. We'll do worse than Ken with a Steam controller mm-hmm. in like CSGO mm-hmm. one-on-one. I don't... He's, start practicing. He really has no, he has no chance in that. Uh, and then hopefully we get in a Lenovo tabletop PC and we're going to do a riveting game of Risk. If not, in there we're breaking well. Can, can the I VPN game. in and join? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I actually, just before the podcast went live, I added kind of a tentative schedule to all of this. So you can see what we plan to do starting at noon, who will be where, you know, if there's a particular person you want to see interviewed, um, you can kind of try to plan accordingly. Sorry if you are in a different time zone and these are not helpful for you. We'll have this broken up into like four, five, or six segments on YouTube after the fact. So, um, nope, one twelve hour video. One twelve hour video on YouTube. <laughs> Sorry, that's just how it's going to go. Uh, so hopefully that'll be fun. And again, if you go to pcproduct.com/slash/subscribe, you can sign up there, and I'll make sure you guys get an email with all the information there, or just plan your Sunday accordingly. Uh, for people in the in the chat, I did send a couple of emails to Colleen. She never got back to me with times that worked. So we'll plan that for uh, a future future adventure if you will all right let's get into the content for this week we'll start with the thermal take core x9 this is an eatx cube chassis review that maury wrote now if you look at this picture of the case you think oh that's kind of like that's almost like a cute micro atx those are five chassis. and a quarter bays aren't they yeah those are five and a quarter inch bays in the front holy there, crap oh yes. and that tiny little thing is actually like a 980 <laughs> right yes if you oh. look at that video card and, in the window yep and actually ken if you scroll scroll down to the uh, next picture down on there that's ryan but oh, okay. ryan sorry um see the uh, brackets there those are four by 120 brackets <laughs> holy those crap. go across the top so two of those will fit across the top that's that gives you wow. an idea how big the case is it so it it is bigger than a bread box Oh, it's it can hold about <laughs> five or six bread boxes. Yeah. No, actually, probably more like ten. I don't know. Holy crap, that is enormous. Um, yeah, I actually uh, let me see. If you go to, is the idea that you just fill it with a bunch of that. hard drive bays or something, or uh, oh, yeah, okay. a bunch of everything? If go, uh, Ryan, if you go to page three on a review and <laughs> scroll down to about the third or fourth picture, all right, all right, um, I actually have measurements. In there, in the pictures, I took a tape measure and did the length, width, and height. So yeah, so there's a tape <laughs> measure, and you can see it's 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 um it's almost nine or eighteen inches high. It's about uh, fifteen inches wide, and about twenty five and a half inches deep. So this thing is a monster. 
You can almost um, just you can almost just and, put and the I, LCD. And actually, I did that because I, I actually saw in a, in a, another view True. on some other site actually do that. So I figured that was a good idea. Yeah, it's useful information. Sure. Um, but basically, this case is made for enthusiasts. I mean, you know, you can fit anything. I mean, you can pretty much fit everything you want in there. In the, in the build I have gone in it now, I have. Um, I have a uh, two uh, three one two uh, three sixty radiators and a one forty radiator in it, and still got plenty of room. Um, <laughs> I mean, and and the uh, the the weirdest thing about this is you can actually stack them. I don't know why you'd want to stack them, but you can stack when them you need one more on space. Yeah, in case there wasn't enough room in one. Yeah. Um, what size is this fan I'm looking at right here? That fan one is meter. a. 200 millimeter, I believe. <laughs> My God. So yeah, that's that basically takes up the bottom, the bottom half of the casing. You fit two of those in the front. Um, ah. The uh, the the panel on the on the left side of the case is uh, full window. The panel on the right side is basically two uh, two vented sections. Yep. Um, and the uh, the panels, the left and right panels, are fully interchangeable. They uh, they also make an optional panel. That has a half a window and half a vented section. So if you wanted to show off the top motherboard hmm. tray and you know hide the wiring stuff on the bottom, you could do that. Um, the radiator support you can put radiators on both sides of the case on the lower sides, and you can put radiators on top. You can also put radiators in the front. And actually, I sh- there are some pictures of that one in here, I believe. I think I, I think I included some. Um, the it's it's all steel construction, so the thing is heavy. It's about Probably thirty-five pounds, or maybe twenty-five pounds unloaded, fully loaded is more about somewhere between thirty-five and fifty, depending on how much water you have. X Mass in the chat wants to know if you can put a mini ITX motherboard in this. Uh, yes, you could, and it will look like a Smurf in a big house. This yeah. is a uh... yeah. This is a monstrous, monstrous case. Um, it's it's very well constructed. Uh, you know, when this first came out, uh, this this case came out, I think, um, middle of last year, maybe. Um, it the rumors and well, it's not a rumor; it's it's true. Thermaltake basically copied the Case Labs style case design, and um, they basically wanted to make a Case Labs case that was more affordable because this case is about 140. Yeah. Um, if you find out sale, I mean, I when I bought this thing, because I bought this for my own personal use, this is going to be what I use for my Quakecom build. Um, I, w- I, f- I got it for about a hundred while they were running all the holiday specials. Right. Um, but it's got you know it's got all the grommets on the uh, on the motherboard tray. You can see there underneath the motherboard tray, it actually has mount points for hard drives, <laughs> so you can mount hard drives underneath. It also comes with two. Uh, two hard drive bays that will hold three hard drives each with uh, removable dri- uh, drive bays. Um, it can also act as a hanger for an ultralight aircraft. <laughs> yes. So is that is that a thousand watt power supply that just looks like it's not yeah, even? Yeah, that's a thousand watt power you, supply. You yeah. can fit your UPS in the case. Yeah. You can actually put two power supplies in there because you can put power supplies on both sides if you want to. Um, oh, I don't know why you'd want to do that, but <laughs> you could. Uh, I do want to, while while we're finishing this up, I'm going to go back. Oops, damn it! I wanted to go to the first page here and show uh, the the stacked kind of picture from Thermal Take. Yep. Yeah, I think we saw these stacked at CES actually. 
Yeah, I think uh, who was it? That was um, like if you look, if you look. So see this, see this stacked configuration, and I'm gonna all radiators. I'm gonna zoom in, and that is an Asus Poseidon card, which is a large card. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. The top has three, maybe four, four eighty millimeter rads. So it kind of looks like a filing cabinet. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah, if you stack them like that, it does. I mean, it, it really isn't – I mean, as far as you know, as far as height, it's about 18 inches tall. So it's about the same height as a uh, smaller um, – Child. Mid, mid, well, it's about the same height as a mid, mid, mid-size <laughs> ATX case. So just a lot wider and a lot deeper. Um, I mean, it's a really good case. It, you know, the I one thing that, that I my am concerned years. about is aftermarket parts, and this is not, you know, not just a concern. It's for this case, but for most of these cases, a lot of the manufacturers will come out with cases and say, "Oh, these are expandable. We have we're going to have this whole line of stuff that goes along with it," and then the pipeline dries up because they have something bigger and better out, or right. you know? so. But I mean, what it comes with is is decent. You know, it's the um, the feet it comes with raises up about a about an inch or an inch and a half off the floor, which is nice. Um, you get you can see from the flyway if you if you scroll down uh, to about the fourth or fifth picture where it has a flyer parts, not that one, one more. Uh, yeah, see right there, that's that's a picture of all the rads you can fit in all the various <laughs> rad ra- radiator configurations, and then there's one more down that has a picture of uh, fans. So. You can fit. I mean, you can pretty much do whatever you want with this case. That's like four hundred dollars in fans. Yeah, that's like four. Fans. That's like probably six or eight hundred dollars in water cooling equipment if you if you did yeah. everything. But um, you know, it has it has side brackets that can either you can either side mount or bottom mount the reds. Um, you can top mount the reds, and you can mount reds in the front of the case, and you can also mount a rad over the motherboard if you wanted to. That'll support up to a hundred forty millimeter fan hmm. in a rear in a rear section. So I mean. And if you want to get really crazy, you probably um, you probably put a rad uh, in between the side rails in front of the motherboard. You know, I mean, there's all sorts of things you can do with this. And a lot of people, a lot of modders have done a lot of crazy things with this case. Um, but oh, it's 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 decent. It's not you know build quality is decent. Um, it's got uh, it's all pow- uh, powder coated like most of these cases are nowadays. Black powder coating. It doesn't. It's pretty scratch resistant. Pretty resilient. Um, the uh, the power panel the the button panel with the uh, with the front uh, ports and all can be either mounted to the right or the left side of the case. They give you that option. Hmm. Um, see, in this one, you see it's mounted yeah. on the right side of the case. You can actually flip that. And, and the bottom one, you see there's a blank panel there. Yep. So it comes with one blank panel and one uh, hmm. one fully one full panel, and you can you can move that as you want. And it actually has. Um, dual routing on both sides of the case to uh, accommodate that. So, Cool. All right, so check that out. I know you have another story coming on this case anyway. The case so big, it wouldn't fit in one article. Yeah. So we'll, we'll look forward to that. Uh, also, you posted up, and let's ro- run through these real quick. Uh, Reven? O- yeah, Reven, o- yes. O- o- Okeanos? Yeah, Brontes and Okeanos. I think that's how you pronounce it. I don't know. Someone yeah. was in the chat, or someone in one of the comments said that it was, uh, they're Greek, Greek names. Okay. They're bright um, yellow, I know that. Yes, they're yellow and chrome. <laughs> um, so these are, you know, these are basically designed after the uh, Noxua style, fa- you know, um, 
Noctual style fans or um, CPUs, CPU coolers. Sorry, um, they're a hybrid aluminum copper. Uh, both of them are aluminum and copper hybrids. Uh, copper pipes with nickel plating, copper nickel plated base plate, and an aluminum rad. Uh, <laughs> they performed okay. I mean the the um, the Brontes, which is the uh, the the one with the horizontal fan, is actually a very small form factor unit. It's, um, I mean, it, you can't overclock with it, but it's not meant for that. It's meant for a, uh, for an HCPC or, or, you know, a smaller build like that. Right. The Okinos, which is the dual tower, performed a lot better. Um, I actually, and they actually sent me a third fan, so I did testing with two and three fans on that. Of course you um, did. Believe it or not, the, <laughs> you know, the, the really, di- the difference between the one fan, two fan, and three fan wasn't really that great. Yeah. I performed well, um, Pretty much across the board. Um, hmm. Build-wise, it was okay. It wasn't, you know, there were some, you know, there's some uh, some things I picked on on it about, like uh, for example, a lot of a lot of tower makers will solder the heat pipes to the individual aluminum layers to facilitate heat transfer. They did not, but they're they're basically just uh, fit in place. The heat pipes, they it still transfers heat well, but if it's a solder joint, it adds uh, strength and little bit of uh, heat transfer to it um, you know I mean the build other than, the build quality was good on it yeah. um, it I, there was some there were some weird fit issues that I had actually uh, normal the normal test bench I use weird. is a z87 m power motherboard that has the three side wraparound uh, VRM heatsink mm-hmm. this the uh, was it the Okinos uh, neither one would fit on that so I actually had to move to a Z97 board. I was using a Z97 Pro Gamer board right. to do this test. Uh, I mean, the difference between Z87 and Z97 overclocking-wise and heat-wise is nothing because I use the same CPU and memory and all, so I wasn't really worried about that, but <coughs> it's just kind of a, you know, a um, sure. interesting thing for fit. So, if you know, if you have a really tight fit, um, you know, you're just going to have to be careful with this. Um, Fair enough. What else? Um, so if you can look at the cooling results here. Yeah. All right. Triple um, fan, dual fan. Yeah. So you can see the numbers really don't uh, don't change much. Um, I mean, the, you know, the, the triple fan is one degree. Well, max is one degree less, and across the board, it's one right. or two degrees less than the than the single and dual fan. So it really, right. you know, the, how much it, how much are these things? Uh, let's see here. Let's see. They're more than two dollar. They're more than two dollars. Yes, seventy-five dollars for Se- the yeah, seventy-five dollars for Akinos and thirty-nine for the Brontes. Um, mm-hmm. you know, for what you get, it's not a bad. That's it, about the the price for a higher end uh, tower cooler. Yeah. Um, and for uh, forty dollars is a decent price for an HTPC HTPC cooler. So. Um, Fair enough. Oh, they're, they're not. It's not. They're not bad units at all. I mean, I, we gave it a silver award because the, just the performance. I was very surprised by the performance because, um, you know, you get you get fans from you know these newer companies. You don't know what to expect. Um, but right. I was pleasantly surprised. You know, yeah. um, you know, tested with that Haswell E and Haswell, so both are known for the E profiles. Um, I did not test it against a Skylake because if it works on a Haswell, it's gonna do stellar on a Skylake. There's really no reason. To, uh, to to run those numbers. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. 
So all right, so check that out. That's Reven. R e e v e n is the manufacturer of those particular units. Uh, all right, so where did we put? Where did we put this here? DX12 controversy. Oh really? I didn't. I didn't click that link in my own story. Um, so apparently, some stuff happened about DirectX 12 this week, guys. Is it awesome? Um, yes. Have it you been awesome. sold up the river? The games from the ship? Oh, it's, absolutely. Have you been absolutely. bamboozled? It's awesome for somebody. So here's let, uh, let me see if I can give the uh, a quick summary so we can actually have a discussion because I think a lot of people that are listening to this You're wrong. hopefully already uh, have read this story. So there's two different stories. There's this one here um, that I titled "PC Gaming Shakeup: Ashes of the Singularity DX12 in the Microsoft Store," and this one um, goes into some details about. Uh, that latest version of the Ashes of Singularity uh, game was released with a new benchmark mode and some new stuff that we we're looking forward to testing, including an integrated FCAT overlay. Uh, but we ran into some issues, right? So um, after we got FCAT kind of up and running, the I think the the GPU testbed just happened to be it happened to be in its NVIDIA state at that yep. point, which different SSD, different video card. So we ran FCAT. Uh, based capture testing on it. And sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. And we couldn't quite figure out why. Like sometimes we'd get, when we turned VSync off in the game engine, VSync would be off in the game. We'd be able to test it. We'd measure frame rates accordingly, etc. And you'd get a graph that looked like this one. All right, uncapped frame rate, VSync off. That's kind of what we're used to seeing in kind of a capture-based, um, you know, frame rating performance evaluation. Yep. However, um, what occurred, we couldn't figure out why, you know, we went back and forth, but when we went to AMD, we could never get it to go into a true VSync off state. Instead, we got graphs that looked like either this, if we had VSync on, or like this with VSync off, which is not how it's supposed to look. That is a graph that is what... Uh, you would expect it to look like with VSync on. Instead of having gradual shifts between a frame time of 33, 16 frames per second, or milliseconds, I'm sorry, you get very sudden instantaneous differences or changes between 33 and 16 millisecond frame times. That's yep. what happens when yep. you either a frame is on there for one refresh cycle or a frame is on there for two refresh cycles, right? And that's kind of the, the, difference, the difference you're seeing. Um, what was interesting, though, is that if you look at that, there are some zero millisecond frame times, which somebody in the comments was complaining because that doesn't mean zero FPS. It technically means infinite FPS, but that's harder to diagram uh, for me. Yeah. So, yes, it, it's technically... It's, it is what missing if you use a, a logarithmic Well, yeah. Gale. Sure. It's like a drop frame. <laughs> you just need to have it go below the axis. <laughs> So after doing a whole lot of research and talking to people at Oxide and talking with people at AMD, NVIDIA, Intel, game developers, Microsoft, whoever, um, what we're seeing is, is, is an interesting... How do I even word this, really? So this game is not running in full screen. Correct. So in the, true full screen. Yes, there you go. That's a good way to start it out. The, yep. the way to look at this graph is that while we expect the games you're running in an exclusive full screen mode. Yep. It is not. It is instead behaving as if it is acting in a borderless windowed window. full screen yep. mode. Or just full screen window mode. Full or screen window. Yeah, different game, different there are some things. games that actually have a mode like this so that right. you can have other stuff you know, on top of the game with the game running in the background right. on a desktop and stuff. Right. Yeah. 
Okay. And so I was like, okay, that's kind of weird. And then there's a theory that, uh, you know, AMD didn't properly enumerate a uh, feature called Flip X, Flip Exclusive, yep. uh, into their driver for DX12, because in DX11 mode it works fine. And thus, you know, maybe this is just like a driver oversight. More conversations were had, and it's like, this may not actually be an oversight. This may be AMD kind of giving a nod toward the way Microsoft is trying to push some things forward. Um, and by some things, I mean that uh, the Microsoft Store. So the Microsoft Store in Windows 10, and it's been around before that, uh, is they announced a while ago that they were going to try to integrate some interesting features into, or they actually already had, integrate some interesting features into Windows 10 gaming, right? They have a recording bar. They have the ability to take screenshots. They have uh, the ability to get notifications while you're gaming. Mm-hmm. Um, the ability to integrate with other, you know, on-screen keyboards and stuff like that. All of those functions that they want to do and that they are doing on games sold through the Microsoft Windows 10 Store require not exclusive full-screen usage. Yeah, they it's, require it a borderless full-screen. Yeah, it needs to stay in like the desktop rendering engine. Right. And so that's what it is. Yeah. The these games that get pushed through the through the Windows Store also have to agree to be uh, to use. They're not agree to. They're forced to use the Windows compositing engine. Yep. Which is uh, uh, basically a different way for instead of the graphics card simply determining when the flip occurs to the display. It basically mm-hmm. gives a full frame to the Windows compositing engine, says, here's my latest full frame. You do whatever you want with it. The compositing engine then goes, okay, uh, here's another VSync interval. I'm ready to put it in. Or I need to add some stuff to it, another layer, yeah. and now I'll present it um, up to... And, and that, that's, except for the extra layer thing, that's right. the same way that anything, any game that ran in a window has worked in the past. Correct. It has to comply with whatever the desktop rendering engine is wanting to do as opposed to the game engine. And so in a, the game that runs in a window or a game that runs in this mode, a full-screen full screen window, window yeah. has no tearing. Right. It's always forced V-Sync on. It's always forced V-Sync. And the no tearing is a positive, right? I guess. Horizontal tearing is a, is a negative thing. It's a bad thing, right? That's why G-Sync True. and FreeSync exist. But those don't work in this mode. Uh, not true completely. Okay. G-Sync works, like, for example, yeah. Gears of War right. came out on the Microsoft Store. Uh-huh. It apparently works in-game, but not in cutscene. G-Sync, I mean. G-Sync works, okay. Yeah. Now, why the difference there, I don't understand. This is interesting going back to our discussion before the podcast started about, well, if you just present it the normal way, the G-Sync model will just handle it all correctly. Yeah. Something is happening between those two modes. So uh, the, the, the general problem here is, and, and I'll leave it for you guys to like, read the article where there's, there's more of this stuff going on. The, the issue with Ashes of the Singularity seems like it could be simply a driver bug. Right. It could be simply that AMD did not enumerate something that would allow them to, to get into an exclusive full screen mode because the Ashes of the Singularity is not sold through the Microsoft Store. It's sold through Steam. Um, so it's possible that that's just a driver error. However, what this led us into is like, oh, yeah, hey, look, there are some games that are going to be coming out from Microsoft Store. There already are games like Tomb Raider or Rise of the Tomb Raiders out. Gears of War came out this week. Gears of War Ultimate Edition is exclusive to the mm-hmm. Microsoft Store. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quantum Break will be out this year. Is that right? This month, I think. Is it this month? I think so. Um, 
uh, both on Xbox One and PC exclusively through the Windows Store. Right? So these are two games now that you are forced into this pathway. Uh, what else does that break? Does SLI work? Does Crossfire work? So, good questions all around. Um, <laughs> Microsoft's official stance is like SLI and Crossfire will still work, but the game developer has to integrate support for it. Differently than it used to be implemented. I think so. So instead of right. NVIDIA being able to load in a profile, that right. profile essentially needs to be baked into the game. Um, so, so you can't fix SLI and Crossfire after the fact. Well, The game anymore. developer could do a patch. The, the developer the has developer to do it now. could, but in, in theory, maybe NVIDIA and AMD don't have the capability. Because one of the other things that's interesting about the whole Windows App Store is that they're sandbox programs. They, Which means you might not be able to do, like, um, fraps, overlay stuff. You definitely can't do that. Okay. Right? You, but I'm talking about even, like, NVIDIA and AMD are going to have difficulty. Like, they can't write to the file system. Oh, so they can't do their capture. Right. They can't do GeForce Experience doesn't function. Or has limited functionality. I don't know if you can just change INI settings in a Windows App Store based games. Like, because if you install, you like, I, I, you can't. You, you can't do INI settings, you can't do modding, you can't add the game to Steam because it doesn't launch from an EXE. Right. Because, like, when, you, when I installed Gears of War, 55 gigabyte file, yeah. I can't even go into the folder. You have to, like, take ownership and crap. Yeah, you have to, like, take ownership of the folder to even go into it. <sighs> right? And this is all because. Of security reasons, right? There. Let me let me let me say this, right? So, because I know all this discussion is is pooping on Microsoft, right? There are positive things that can occur from this. Yeah, like I get it. Windows Live, there was positive things from that. There could have been, and didn't turn out to be that way. But and like this is just like I don't want to say this is just another one of those, but it's possible this is what that is. It's a lot of the kind of reasons. It is. It, it is that the other stuff didn't catch on. It is. Uh, but so, like you'd figure yeah. they would have learned that lesson before with those other things that didn't catch on. It seems difficult not to see this as Microsoft trying to shoehorn PC gaming into their mindset of console gaming. Yeah, right. And that's what most people that listen to this show or watch this show or read our website are focused on is the is the idea that Microsoft is trying to consoleify your PC. And the PC, because the PC is about openness. It's about being able to run mods. It's about being able to run overlays. It's about being able to choose, I want to buy it on Humble or Origin or Steam or a DRM-free method or whatever it happens to be. Um, and this if you sell to the Windows that, Store, you don't do any of that. Yeah. Now, the only, you know, the positive takeaway from this is that there are going to be very few games that are Windows Store exclusive. Sure. Right? So if you want Rise of the Tomb Raider, don't buy it on the Windows Store. Right? You buy it on Steam. Yeah, right. Or Steam. Like, you just like especially with the issues right now, I can't even imagine why anybody would buy that game I agree. on the Windows Store. Right, but there are some people that maybe just don't know. That would be right? the only reason you, why you, they would buy it you, there. You buy a PC. There are people <laughs> that don't watch these shows and read yeah. these websites. They buy a gaming. They buy a PC that has a video card in it. They see that the store opens up and there's a game listed for the new Tomb Raider. They yeah. like Tomb Raider. They download it. They buy it. They don't know any different. And then they regret it, probably. Well, they probably don't know what they're missing. Well, right, is one, maybe. Is one thing. Maybe. But it's our idea to – it's our goal to kind of educate everybody about this. So, you know, for us, for me, benchmarking totally changes. Like – I can't use any of the tools that I'm used to using to benchmark games sold through through the Windows Store. Yep. Uh, Fraps doesn't work. Our frame rating capture system doesn't work. We can capture. We just can't capture. We can capture, but we can't, like, force an overlay into the game. Yeah. 
so uh, and, and and I should say that even with DirectX 12, Ashes and Singularity, not a Microsoft Store game, well, the only reason we were able to capture that is because the guys at Oxide were awesome enough to integrate the FCAT overlay into the game engine itself. Yeah, they did that. So you put a you know you put a, a TAC FCAT on the launch property, and it runs with the overlay. Overlay. Now the problem with that is you know it wasn't set up perfectly the first time. So we kind of had to go in there and help them and say, you know, actually you need to do this color and this pattern. Yeah. Uh, and then they send us different EXEs. We're like, okay, great, this works now. But and it still doesn't work perfectly because there we we don't even know we where we can't test AMD on it. Well, not just that, but there's some things that were like occasionally flipping frames or something on you. Frames are going backwards, but yeah. that's not related to FCAT. Actually, FCAT is what helped us find that. Right. 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 Yeah. But and it doesn't work on AMD. Um, but like Gears of War came out. Mm-hmm. They integrated a benchmark mode. It's not a good one. The results are bad, at least. I won't say the benchmark mode is bad. Um, but, like, they didn't in- integrate any of the tools that I would like to see, like exporting frame times. Yeah. Or giving us an overlay or doing something like that. So, benchmarking in these kind of exclusive titles is going to be very different. And there's still a lot of value in that, right? In being able to. Benchmark yeah. Them. And, like, yeah. being able to quantify things that you see and feel in a game. Yeah. And this isn't to say that this is the end of the world. Microsoft no. has already addressed that. The fact that VSync off isn't a thing. Like they said, they're going to fix VSync, which we assume will make they VSync say, off work yeah, as I don't, people expect. They're getting a lot of backlash on this. They're saying they're going to address stuff. Right. Windows 10 is a moving target. They're constantly updating, so it's possible this stuff will change very soon. Right. Now there was another um, thing that I published as he scrolls through his own website uh, about. Uh, an announcement from Phil Spencer, who is the head of Xbox gaming at Microsoft, talking about like merging PC and Xbox gaming. And there was a really good story, a great write-up over at The Guardian, where they took a bunch of quotes from him, and I basically took some of their quotes and then made my commentary after it. And the idea is to have universal platform, universal Windows platform, universal Windows apps, the idea of being able to honestly believe that a mobile device and a PC and an Xbox can all run the same application. The experience will be close to the same. You'll have a, a similar experience either way. That's, that's a positive goal to have. They've been pushing that for a long time. Yeah, well, they, they actually, um, Microsoft, when they first were launching Windows 10, I went to a developer conference on that um, a couple months back that work let me go to. Um, they're trying to unify all the platforms into it. Basically what they want to do is they want to do a single binary. Um, because right, right now, under free Windows 10, Windows 8, Windows 7, whatever, when you're doing, when you're building stuff, you have to build separate binaries and actually separate releases per, um, you know, per platform. So one for mobile, one for, uh, one for Xbox One, one for PC, mm. blah blah blah. What they want to do is they're actually integrating the different uh, platform settings into the base binary so that you. Uh, you can compile once, and then the settings files are picked up based on what platform you're running on. So you can you can f- configure the, configure the screen size to run on mobile, so that you know you have different fonts, different screen size, whatever. Right. And then you can use the same binaries and run it on Windows 10 PC desktop, and you know it'll run fine because it's set. You know, uh, <clears throat> a lot of that, you know, the, a lot of that push is for web-based apps and stuff, but they're going to do the same thing for games and such as right. well, I would think. You know, because it makes sense. Uh, you know, this is, this is arguably how this should all work. Right? 
It's just the fact that Microsoft needs to make P- let PC games function as PC games within UWP apps and allow third-party hooks to do things like overlays. That would solve everything. It's not the fact that it it's would. a UWP app necessarily. It's the fact that they haven't built in the hooks to do the things that the game should be able to do. Correct. But my argument in the second piece is that they probably can't do that completely. Why not? Because I, I think some it, of that stuff should the, have been baked in a while. Like, they should have had foresight. I mean, yes, I would agree with you there. But I think more you just know. like of a QA issue is the problem, right? QAing PC is really tough. Yeah. It's tougher than a console, right? You know. And any developer will tell you that. And so what Microsoft is kind of trying to do by forcing people down a composition path, by... Um, you know, having certain driver restrictions and kind of changing some things in DirectX 12 is they're trying to like minimize their work or minimize their chance of failure of actually being able to QA these things and get them to all function correctly. I guess. Um, and so, you know, your ability to well uh, enable it, VSync and disable yeah. VSync completely and go into these exclusive full screen modes where you can't run the overlays that Microsoft wants you to be able to run in order to have the experience you want you to have. Is kind of like they have to. They either have to. I, I believe. I don't think there's. I don't know if there's a middle ground. I think you either have to let the PC do what it's been doing, or you have to like put a hard line in the sand and say, "We're going to do it our way." And if you want to, if AMD and Nvidia and Intel, you guys want to sell graphics cards into this ecosystem, you can do that. Because the other thing that Phil Spencer announced is that they don't. They plan on upgrading Xbox hardware now. They're okay. not going to like make it a seven-year cycle. They want to go like, you know what? We think your console should improve at the rate of your cell phone. So they'll be like a Gen 2, Gen 3, Gen 4 right. of the which, same thing. Which, which can only be a positive for us as PC gamers. Sure. Right? We always worry about the console holding us back. Right? The console hardware today is already holding us back. It's limited in its performance capability. Yeah. Uh, and, if, and if they can improve on that, then that gives game developers a higher target minimum baseline to, to go to. Right? And same thing going forward. Now, you get all kinds sure. of other things that could happen with that that would be negative but so, the potential there is so let's say microsoft built in api hooks to do overlays would n- running not running an exclusive full screen mode be a big deal at that point and they allowed vsync tearing like those are the two main um, concessions here they also like have you make, wouldn't uh, care if it was running in fresh ex- they have to make variable refresh work but assuming they made all those things yeah. work like that's, i mean if they like, yeah i mean if they made like everything doesn't work, need to run an ex- sure. like Sure. Microsoft, like, your, your QA argument's somewhat true, but if Microsoft was building in these hooks, then they could unit test these hooks and sure and QA stuff. Yeah. It, it's, it's the fact that Fraps is hooking on to a random DLL and doing injecting code and doing God knows what. That's an well, issue Fraps right actually, like, intercepts the whole frame buffer, puts it's, something it's on it, and a, then passes the frame buffer It's injecting onto a DLL. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Alan, it is. I mean, like that's 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 how that works, yeah. right? Yeah, it's inter- it's similar, but it's yeah. just with a frame buffer instead of with a DLL. Yeah, yeah. because that's that's how the that's how the frame rating overlay works. Yeah, it's doing the exact same thing. Yeah, like you know, and that's that's what kind of bugs me about all this so much is that like, okay, Microsoft had to have known that all that stuff was a thing, right? Yeah, and then they're like, okay, we're gonna do this DX12 stuff. We're gonna have these exclusive games, and we're gonna make the games run in this full screen windowed thing, right? Like. Seriously, could there not have been a person that raised their hand and went, "Hey, like we should be doing all the same things that everybody you know else already does"? You know what? They had great does. success with Halo Two and Vista. See, exactly right. It's just like it's just somebody must have like 
brought that up, you would think. I, it's, it's not, the, it's not so. the same thing as Halo 2. It's not the same thing, It's not anywhere near but the same But it's, it's the same uh, thought process and decision-making ability. No, it's not. No? I, I think okay, it's similar. It Halo 2 and Vista was a pure business decision. Let's make people upgrade to Vista. That was exactly what that was. Let's make it DX10 only. Let's make people upgrade to Vista. Let's sure, not put sure. DX10 on XP. This is... A different Microsoft trying to make technology better. They don't quite understand what PC gamers want, and that's why the backlash that people are giving yeah, them. Yeah, the but like Games for them. Windows Live was their attempt to make it better yeah. as well. Um, you know, you could make the argument like, that there's it, no reason DirectX 12 should be Windows 10 exclusive, right? That that would be a business decision to push people there. I don't know if that's the, true or not. Well, but. it's like the fact that the Xbox and the PC are kind of sharing a code base at this point may make that a way more reasonable thing than I port, guess. backporting it. Like the, the Xbox games and Windows games in five years should both be universal binaries. You should just be able to play anything either place. Yeah, especially if they upgrade Xbox hardware at a higher cadence. Yeah. Then yeah, I, I don't see a problem with that. Is but I I don't I just I don't know. If I, I, I I think we will get there. I don't know if they're committed we'll enough to what people like about PC gaming in order to like for me to believe that they're going to do that yeah. the right way. I think they have to prove it more than us just believe it. They've had well, too many I, instances of it going and, and the so, wrong so direction. So far, it is the wrong direction. Like they're, they're yeah, totally I, I not just, proving it. I just, it so yeah. far. I mean, we just we need to give them a chance to prove it. They say they're going to make it better. So. You're right, but, but okay, maybe the design. You know, let's, let's expand upon this a little bit and go beyond where your article is talking. All right. When leveraging AMD and their technology in saying, "Hey, we want this, 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 and this," can you make a chip for us? And they do a design using all of their technology that they have implemented in previous products, and they put it in one package. Right? Is it now so much cheaper than what they previous ex- previously experienced with the Xbox and the Xbox 360, where there was so much design work in so many different places? Now they can just go to AMD and say, "Hey, could you do this, 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 and this in a recipe?" I mean, it, obviously, it's not entirely that easy. But it's got to be easier than trying to milk out everything over a seven-year period. Yes. Agreed. Um, well, but you also have market pressure, though. If, if Sony's not updating the PS4, why should Microsoft update the Xbox? From a te- from, and, and, you know, that, that saying that kills me as a technologist because I love upgrading my hardware. I want the fastest, biggest thing I can afford. Much my wife's ire, but um, but seriously, if there's no market pressure, it's just like any other market. If there's no market pressure, look look at prime examples. What Intel did with the CPU market. Look how much it slowed down since AMD went kaput. Well, they didn't go kaput in the CPU market, but they basically slowed down a lot. Intel had no pressure, so they stopped innovating quickly. Right. Xbox, PS4, same thing. Um, one one counterpoint I wanted to make though was with DX11. How long? Did it take for from when DX11 launched to when it became fully embraced? Because we we probably looked that at the same a, thing that with one DX12. Took a long time. Uh, well, it, it's interesting. I don't think it will be on the same time span. Uh, DX11 took a long time. There's more motivation for people to move actually. Maybe it's DX10 that took forever. DX10 took forever. DX11 never, never never was such a positive experience as yeah. compared to 10 yeah. that it was pretty quickly. I, I think embrace. the move to 12 will be relatively quick as well. Now, what uh, uh, 
pathway of 12 because there's still like the 12 that kind of acts like 11 and then there's the 12 yeah. that acts like a brand new API um, and what the restrictions are of, of either are, are still unknown. I, I think this is a I think this is a really complicated topic obviously um, I, I, I'm trying very hard to get somebody from Microsoft that's like willing to come on and have like a worthwhile conversation with us about it. I tried to get Phil Spencer to come on our stream on Sunday, and I, so far he has not replied. I don't think I don't think that right. those guys even know what answers they want to say to anybody right now. That may that may be true and honest. That may be honestly yeah. true, right? That, that they don't know yet what their mm. answers are. Yeah. Can I can I posit this thought? You can try. Probably. Posit Maybe. away. Um. I'm not saying that they meant it to do this, but they're putting their foot forward with DX12 and you know going everything going through the compositing engine in in Windows 10. And obviously you're going to have a multitude of developers who say, "You know what? This is not the right way to do that." And here's why. Someone kind of had to make a move. I mean, yeah, we had AMD with Mantle, and now we've got Vulkan. Mm-hmm. But they don't seriously change the technology like DX12 sort of is, especially in how it relates to all of the underlying technology and how it is presented to the end user in, you know, this one screen, three screens, however many, and, and the experience going against, uh, you know, possibly free swing and, and G-Sync. Do you think that they're going to be agile enough to take the good with the bad and adjust their solution? I think it's way more likely now than it was when Games for Windows Live launched. I don't think we're looking at the same Microsoft. Windows 10 is, they're not like Windows XP, Windows 7, they never really got major yeah. upgrades to the just, functionality of the operating system until a right. service pack. Yeah, now it's a rolling a, target that they keep constantly improving, and yeah. they say this is yeah. the OS we're going to stick with, and they're pushing it. They want 10 million people to have it installed or whatever this year. Like, I don't think this is. I don't think this is a whim. I think this is something that was half baked and kind of pushed out because, like, Gears of War launched as a surprise yesterday. I, well, it was not a surprise to like Microsoft. It was a surprise to hardware vendors and gamers and software vendors. Well, Micro- Microsoft is a large corporation. Doesn't mean both heads were necessarily talking to each other. It was like sure. it was a. I think it would be. I, I think it would be a mistake to assume that uh, the people that were releasing the game weren't also the people that like kind of knew about these discussions that were happening. Oh. I, I don't think the people right. who decided to release the game were, were people who know about DirectX exclusive flip modes. Yeah, I don't know if that's I think true. that is very I, foolish to I, think about. I would think th- I would bet that Phil Spencer directly is it was involved in all of those decisions, right? Or or people yeah. directly underneath him. So now, like, can you make a DirectX 12 game that does not have to run? Yes. The- so the only statement I've actually gotten from Microsoft officially at this point is that. There's no reason why a game developer can't still make an exclusive full-screen game. Okay. Right? That makes me feel somewhat Now, better. when I asked about Windows Store stuff, like, any ability to do that in the future, they're like, ah, you know, blah, 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 we don't... We're, about we're the still, stuff we're still being developing everything. locked down yeah, or yeah. whatever. And, right. Okay. So, but there's no reason at this point that if you buy a DirectX 12 game through Steam, it should not have exclusive full-screen. So back to the original thing at this topic, 
Probably AMD has an issue with their driver that they need to fix in order to enable <laughs> so, the exclusive full screen. So, so all that we would not have had any of this. Discussion. Hilarious how that all forced this. But even yeah. if you can do pure full screen on DX12, you still have the overlay issue, right? Yes. You can't hook into DX12. The that same that way. is correct. Okay. Yes, you still have right. that. It's so a different still, can of worms than the store can sure. of worms, but it is still a small worm can. Yeah, it's significant yeah. for benchmarking standpoint. It is, but, yes, um, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Anyways, okay. I'll stop talking. The comments will tear me apart, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. So let's go ahead and very quickly, Josh, <laughs> tell very, me what AMD released quickly. today. Okay, uh, what, yesterday? Yes, sure, yesterday. yesterday, AMD released updates and refreshes to the RFM2 Plus platform. The 7890K... Unlock Godavari based APU running at 4.0 to 4.2 gigahertz, or is it 4.1 to 4.3? I think I it's 4.1 to 4.3. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah, I'm and so it's now. their now fastest APU quad core, right? And uh, it's got the GPU running as well at uh, 866 megahertz. They also released the eight. 80k, which previously we had the 860k, and then and somehow released the 870k, but you still can't really buy those. And uh, <laughs> this one runs the 880k at uh, 4.0 to 4.2 gigahertz, but it has, has no GPU. Are both 95 uh, watt parts, and complement the latest uh, 9860k, which runs as fast essentially as the uh, 7850k, the original Cavari. That was a 95 watt part. Well, the 7860K is 65 watts, same performance in the CPU essentially, but it increases the, C- the GPU clock from 720 megahertz to 866 megahertz. Right. You get a jump in, in graphics performance, and you're getting 30 watts less TDP. Um, they also talked about ostensibly the extensively the Wraith cooler that they're boxing with these 7890K. They have the non-shrouded uh, cooler that's still based on the Wraith, but it has no LED, no shroud, and be with like the 880K and the 7870K uh, going from March 1st and onward. Uh, so what AMD has essentially done, they've done some tweaks uh, in, in firmware and uh, with the design to get TDPs back down. They've worked with Global Foundries. They've, they've enhanced their 28-nanometer metal gate um, process to give them a little bit better performance and uh, you know some better bins yeah. and yield to be able to give us uh, these products. Um, pricing is a little high for the 7890. I think it's 165, but the 880K, which gives you pretty much all the performance, uh, um, you've got the PCIe 3.0 support by the uh, by 16 uh, connection that you can do. Uh, cross, or, uh, I don't know if you can do SLI yet with those. I don't think so. But anyway, you've got the ability to make a really nice gaming machine because that thing, it, it runs pretty fast, and it's only like 95 bucks. So you do that with the inexpensive motherboard and the GPU of, of your desire, choice, whatever. Fair enough. And uh, you've got a nice little gaming system for really, really cheap. So those are some nice upgrades that uh, AMD has done. They're still working. They've got a long road ahead till Zen. Right. Coming November, yes, December. 
time frame. But uh, you know, they're they're still pushing. Fair enough. All right, um, and I just sent you a processor. Which one did I send you? Seventy-eight, sixty k. Yeah, so you'll have a review up on that relatively soon. So we'll yeah. we'll, we'll 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 broach these subjects again uh, in the not too distant future. Let's take a quick break here. Uh, a little bit too late into the show than I would normally like to do it and thank today's podcast sponsor. That would be Braintree Payments. Did you guys know that by next year, maybe even next week, there could be a whole new way to pay? I did. Ironically, I did hear that like Bitcoin had some issues. We'll, maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, maybe it will be the next Bitcoin because mm-hmm. Bitcoin is having uh, – I did just bring this up. Apparently, Bitcoin now has increased – every time you made a Bitcoin transaction, it used to take about like what, eight minutes for it to process because they had to do like they had to distribute computing everywhere to do it. Yeah. Now it was up to like forty five minutes. And so the whole oh. yeah. They they hit a capacity of workload in Bitcoin. It was funny. Um, but anyway, you maybe you'll find the next Bitcoin or somebody will make it or maybe the next make the next Apple Pay or maybe it'll be a combination of both. Uh, fortunately Braintree's full stack payment platform is easily adaptable to whatever the future holds. So you can adapt easily too. Maybe you want to stop accepting Bitcoin. I bet that's pretty easy to turn off if you're using Braintree payments. Accept everything from pounds to PayPal to that next big innovation from any device with just one integration. And when that new payment method comes out, all you have to do is update a few lines of code. No late nights, no complicated re, uh, recoding, no stress about staying ahead of the curve. Braintree Payments is here to help. Learn more at braintreepayments.com slash PCPer. They have simple, secure payments, code you can integrate quickly. Uh, if you don't have time to do it, you can give them a call. They'll actually do the integration for you. Braintree code supports Android, iOS, JavaScript. It runs on .NET, Node.js, Java, Perl, PHP, Python, Ruby. And it is elegant code with very clear documentation. So we thank Braintree for their support of the PC Perspective podcast. And again, at URL, braintreepayments.com slash PCPer. Awesome. All right. So we're going to run through these news items quicker than you could ever imagine. It just keeps getting quicker. It just keeps getting faster. Hey, I three three printed things. Hey, you did actually. Sure, you to be did. fair, no, I you three started, printed this. You assembled the printer, and then you printed. I started that. this, and then I left. Then you left, and then well, Ken had fun with it while you were gone. It was sure. almost. It was probably halfway up this, the wings on this. It was pretty close to done. Yeah, they yeah. maybe had forty five minutes left. So uh, if you if you're interested in three D printing, like I am but you have no idea what it is or how it works or how to start. Uh, I posted a video called Ryan 3D Prints Part 1. It begins where we looked at uh, hardware coming from Monoprice. Not that particular one, um, but this particular one. Uh, printer that was, what? what's this, one, $299? $350. is a $350 printer. Monoprice sent us this. They sent us a bunch of different filaments. Uh, in this video, uh, we show you how we set up the printer, how we print this headless swan. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. In that photo, you know, you know, we were just getting started. As well as these other things. Uh, we've had an elephant, a chair. Uh, Ken even eventually printed out this boat while I was in Mobile World Congress. It's actually a pretty nice boat. Yeah. It, it is. It floats. Does it float? I was going to ask you. Down. Oh. <laughs> it floats upside down. <laughs> That's bad news for the people Did you ever on the see boat. the, uh, uh, what, Big Bang Theory when they bought the $2,500 3D printer no. that they can make 25 cent whistles out of. <laughs> oh man, I should make a whistle. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, so if you're interested in this, it's actually really cool. We talk about like what the different filament types are, what the setup process is, how you uh, calibrate it, 
Um, and you can see like the first step of how you print the first thing, right? This unit actually has a freestanding uh, processing part of it, so you just put an SD card with a particular file format on it, and that's how we printed our Swan for the first time. So we're going to do some more of this, and we're going to do a, a 3D printing challenge of some kind during our live stream on Sunday. We may we may start something printing and have people guess. Yeah. Like every guest that comes on, maybe we'll get to guests, <laughs> try to guess what they get. People who come on later get a little bit more. What's on, uh, what's on the printer now? What's in the box? What's in the box? So that's uh, Ryan 3D Prints Part 1. Check that out. Uh, we were thinking about we were going to try to do another one this week, but I think with all the scheduling of the no, Sunday no, no, event. I, I think at some point this week I'll have a stream running just point, point at the printer because okay. I need to test a bunch of stuff. All right. We will figure that out. Uh, other news, Tesla Motors hires Peter Bannon of Apple. We talked about this a couple weeks ago where they hired Jim Keller, the guy who used to work at AMD, then worked at Apple, then worked at AMD, and now works at Tesla, uh, designing CPU architectures in previous jobs. Um, now they have hired uh, Peter Bannon, who was a colleague of Jim Keller's at Apple. Um, P- and uh, what, PA Micro? PA Semi. PA Semi, yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, Jim Keller is at Tesla as their vice president of auto, autopilot hardware engineering, uh, but we don't yet know what Peter Bannon's title will be. Do we assume now that Tesla has to be building their own chips? They don't need two people of this pedigree to pick the best chip. You mean for future products? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. They're, well, they're, they're making hardware. Like, they have to be. Right? Like, that's it has to be. Well, my theory is probably still, like, the integration chip. That's tying all that crap together with three with the vision stuff and the autopilot stuff. Sure, they might make a you know, general purpose SOC that is. Yeah. Do you know how many engineers it takes to make a modern SOC? Three. No. So that's what I'm saying. Like you need the guys like this to manage. Like yeah, but we don't hear about thing. low level hires. I don't hear about that's true. People. Like why would you hire no, Jim Keller manage. and then the guy responsible for like A5 and A6 at PA Semi? If you're not making, if you're not making chips, I mean, it's possible that Elon just wanted to piss off Apple. <laughs> like he's that kind of he he would do yeah, that. he could yeah right I mean, I guess. I don't. They might just be working on the factory line for all I know. Right? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I don't know. Uh, I just thought it was pretty interesting. Um, and I, I don't. If if they were hired to develop chips, it will be years before we see a product or an announcement using it. Yeah. It's not like at the Model 3 unveil at the end of this month. They'll be like, oh, yeah, and it's all using all of our own processors. And it's now shipping in 2025. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for all the people who wanted to get your pre No, they're just going to cross-license Zen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think with Scott had an interesting theory that would Tesla be willing to, like, open source processors meant for uh, self-driving? Oh, okay. Uh, I don't think they're going to do that. I think that their whole Such open patent stuff. thing. No, I think that their whole open patent stuff is great to get. They wanted like electric automobiles to be a thing, right? But the SOC stuff is not specific. Like it, that's their like proprietary, you know, brand stuff. Maybe. Right? Like, that's not the same as opening all the patents for, like, the design of electric motors for 3D, or for, for uh, electric 3, cars. 3D printing. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> all that stuff, like the, you know, so I can see them, you know, opening, like, the battery technology stuff a little bit, maybe, right. and, like, the drivetrain stuff and all that for the, you know, for electric automobiles, so the other companies can get into that market, but they're not going to give them, like, the keys to the kingdom. I, I, right? I think the way this works is 
right now they're depending on mobile eye for autonomous driving for mm-hmm. vision and stuff i don't think they want to and i don't think they want to depend on nvidia either so wh- whether it be buying mostly off the off the shelf arm cores from arm and then making tweaks stuff yeah. to like maybe a mostly general soc from somebody that they tweak to be more to be more applicable to computer vision or something like that but I think their goal was to replace third parties handling their computer. Well, you know what the bad part about that is? What's that? You have Um, no one to sue? You essentially create another SOC that you keep having to push money in to compete with the guys who are managing NVIDIA and all their R&D that's uh, doing this. So Audi, Mercedes, whoever who may, you know, integrate this, you know, 3D vision technology from NVIDIA. Tesla's got to try to recreate that on a shoestring as compared to what NVIDIA can do. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We'll be interested uh, to see how that goes. Uh, Alan, Western Digital infuses consumer hard drives with Helioseal tech, which Ken probably points out is a really cool name. I think that's a really good trade name. Yeah. This is what? Uh, helium drives up to 8 terabytes? That's, that's actually HDST is... Who started with that whole Helio like, Seal? Yeah, the name. That name started with the HE6, oh, like the Enterprise drive from I them, see. right? Okay. And the whole idea is like, you know, you're trying to keep helium in a thing, and usually it diffuses out. So, like, the whole thing that let this even be a technology that can exist is like the fact that this, the type, the way that they seal that enclosure keeps the helium from diffusing out. Helio sealed. Which is helio seal, right? It's just um, like a little epoxy, some some. It's probably like a special gorilla glue. Well, it has to be something special and high enough density to stop helium from diffusing. Because helium likes to diffuse through things. It's very light, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's a very it's, small atom. Yeah, it's, it's very small atoms. It's harder. It's harder to seal against that leaking than other things. Right? But I gotta ask this. Yeah. Do the platters spin at a higher pitch? Uh, you mean RPM? No. No pitch. Like they like sound in at a higher like when you pitch. like higher voice. It's <sighs> oh, Josh, I was with you on that one. I'm not usually, but I was with Thank you on that. I'm, you, I'm glad were, yeah. you were, <laughs> you were, but no. Um, so I will say that they uh, are using thinner platters in these drives, All right. and they stack them like seven high, which is okay. pretty high. Well, there's less turbulence, so uh, you don't need as much structural strength to keep them from vibrating as much yep you don't need as much of that you don't need as much of an air gap actually you're just not gonna get as much of a gap between the head and the disc Mm -hmm. itself because there's just less dense air between the two so the whole bernoulli effect thing is gonna the head's gonna fly even a little bit closer yeah um and there's a bunch of other advantages for these things like I, i just like the idea that atmospheric contaminants just like other just chemicals floating around in the air right like regular hard drives they actually permeate in because they're vented they just have a little piece of filter to stop dust from getting in but you know things that are like vaporous or just stuff that's like you know in the air can like kind of permeate in and potentially Hmm. screw up what's inside the hard drive right so just yeah like my vaporized bath salts sure uh (laughs) but so is this necessary for drives to get to eight terabytes you think um, I think this is – it seems apparent that Western Digital decided that they did not want to go 8 terabytes until 
They had helium. They, until they did this. Okay. Now, I mean, there, you can buy Seagate 8 terabyte drives mm-hmm. that don't have helium in them. Mm. Um, and 10, too, can't you? And, well, their 10, I think, isn't... No, I think their 10 is a helium one. Okay. If I put an 8 terabyte helio seal drive in a balloon, will it float away? <laughs> will it float away? What uh, if I put a needs to be a really big balloon in the helium drive? What? If I put a hole in the helium drive... But then it won't work anymore. <laughs> what if I poke a hole in it and suck the helium out? Will my voice change? Oh, there probably won't even be enough helium in it. There was actually some we, comments we, talking we, about like we discussed that. Like, what what is the pressure inside of it? It would just be normal pressure. Like they wouldn't really. They don't need to fill it. Like it's going to be one high pressure helium. They wouldn't want to because then you're more likely you're for it to increasing leak. the density. And you're increasing the density. Yeah, that's the whole point. Is to like okay. you know you mm-hmm. want just enough in there to actually have the heads fly above the disc. Right. right, and to actually transfer the heat because you need something to transfer the heat. You can't just have a vacuum; otherwise, right. the platters would just start cooking. Yeah, you know, because fair enough. Because the motor would make heat, and it wouldn't be able to, to you know. Do we have the pricing heat. availability on these drives? No. Uh, I've seen that the eight terabyte is supposed to be like three hundred bucks for the red. Sure. So it's going to be like there are people saying, "Oh, helium is so scarce," and you know, stuff like that. And back when the HE6 launched, the it was like ten thousand or twenty thousand hard drives can be filled by a standard helium tank, like the thing you see at the store, <laughs> yeah. where they're where they're filling up the kids' balloons and stuff. So you take right? away one kid's birthday party, and yeah, all yeah. your drives. Like, like are a fine. few birthday parties will fill. You put some clowns out of business. You know, yeah, and like nineteen percent or twenty percent of all the helium production is used for kids' birthday parties, basically. Right. For balloons. Right. Uh, and hard drive usage back when the HE6 launched, they said it was one percent. Okay, maybe it goes up to two or three percent. It's still a far cry from birthday party balloon use, you know. So, so no other gas. We can you use start for doing hydrogen balloons for birthday parties. <laughs> yeah. It's much more exciting. See? We could always just shift the kids' birthdays. <laughs> what to was hydrogen. that? What was that we learned while we were doing this research? That the reason that they had to use hydrogen for the. Uh, for the Hindenburg. Uh, for the Hindenburg was because we had all the helium yeah, and the refused US, to give it to them. The U.S. at first was like the they had the market. The strategic on reserve production <laughs> in Louisiana of all places. Yeah. and then they made a strategic helium <laughs> reserve. But because the U.S. was the only people that were the only people that could do that initially, that's why the Hindenburg went oh, up in flames. Hydrogen. Basically, well, my, my bad. Yeah. My bad. All right. Uh, Our bad. What else we got? Sorry. Uh, Samsung released a handful of monitors this week. Curved 1080p monitors. Lower cost. Um, 16 by 9 1080p monitors. 16. Wait, what? 16 by 9 curved monitors. Yeah, what did I, I say? You didn't, but. Well, they're 1080p. Of course they're 16 by 9. I mean, it's kind of. Whatever. They're 1920 by 9. You still have 1080p. There are 21 by 9 monitors. No, there are 21 by 9 monitors that are 1080 tall. Oh, okay. Yeah, but you don't call them 1080p. I wouldn't call them 1080p, but uh, understood. Yeah. So 1920 by 1080 resolution monitors, they have them in 23 and 27 inch varieties. Um, they're curved with the curvature of 1800R, which is, I forgot, now, I've, now I blanked on what that is. It's like 1800 something. It, it tells you how cur- how much the curvature is. Oh, it's a, like a radius? Uh, something like that. Okay. Like it's at 18, maybe that is, it's 1800 centimeter millimeter radius like if it went all the way around or something and 1800 so the, like if you drew an arc yeah how far out i think that, i think it's something like that something and like I, that. I'm, I'm probably getting it wrong but that's an indication of what the curve uh the angle of curvature is um now what's interesting about these is these are the first monitors that were released with hdmi based FreeSync. 
Oh. So we saw these at Computex uh, last June. We saw them again at CES in January. So this HDMI 2, right? Um, For that resolution, I would think. 1080p. Oh, it's just regular. It's, it's just 1080p. It's just 1080p. Um, uh, it doesn't okay. have to be a Yeah, it doesn't have to be two for that. No. Um, now, what's interesting is, so as is normally the case with FreeSync monitors, they don't talk about minimum refresh rates. They only talk about, like, the refresh rate. They mentioned 60. I've heard from a couple of places that it may actually be higher than 60, maybe like 72 or 75. Okay. Um, which would kind of be like, yeah, of course, you like a 1080p, 60 hertz FreeSync monitor kind of makes no sense. Sure. Right? <laughs> Um, and even at 75, it's kind of a stretch um, for being useful. I don't think these are really gaming-targeted monitors. They're, we don't have pricing yet, but the hope is that they're between 200 and 300 bucks, depending on which size and configuration you get. They're VA panels, um, but they're not branded as gaming monitors. If you look at them, they don't look like gaming monitors. But what is important about this announcement is that it is kind of showing that, hey, FreeSync with its kind of openness no hardware required thing like if you could just integrate it on every display that would be great yeah right if everything had support for the, at least that vrr tech nvidia doesn't want to do that with g-sync that's fine if you get integrated across everything else hdmi display port whatever mm-hmm. um then that's going that's only going to be beneficial for people moving forward right so like i said i, don't, I wouldn't consider this a gaming monitor it doesn't really have anything that kind of says gaming otherwise like if you want a gaming monitor, you want a 120 hertz display or you want a 144 hertz display, whether mm-hmm. it be TN or IPS or whatever, right. whatever your budget is. Um, but the point of HDMI over free or FreeSync over HDMI rather is lower cost, wider kind of array of available panels, and this this kind of addresses that. So hmm. useful at least. Maybe more interesting once we actually get uh, pricing. This is a real quick mention: NVIDIA GeForce drivers. Uh, updated GeForce drivers for, I guess these came out yesterday, Far Cry Primal and Gears of War Ultimate Edition. I had totally forgotten that Far Cry Primal was even a thing that was coming out. Didn't they just announce it at, at E3 this year? It was after E3. Was it really? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was like last fall when they first mentioned what it was going to be. Huh. It had the big thing where they, you know, you go to the oh, website and yeah. the stream it was, like the was going and it was like the, cra- and you saw yeah. the cave wall with the the stuff on there yeah it looks pretty good from what i've seen and i haven't run any testing on it yet uh but it is apparently a fairly gpu intense game as well so it may be useful for us to look at for for benchmarking purposes but with all the other stuff going on i didn't have a chance to to really sit down and play with it uh and it also apparently has some fixes for the gears of war stuff in there as well beta support on geforce gtx gpus for external graphics over thunderbolt 3 I that's, think the kind of AMD driver added that this week too. Or maybe there's the something occurring weeks. this week or next week. It's like a razor blade might come out. It's almost it's like the laptop, not like the, like the thing that cuts you. Like the cut cut you razor blade. Yeah, and we saw that at CES too. That wouldn't yeah. be a huge surprise, but it's 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 fine. There, it includes all GTX 900 GPUs, Titan X, GeForce 750, GTX 750 Ti for Thunderbolt 3 support. So that's nice. That's that's an improvement. Uh. For, this is interesting. For multi-GPU configurations, WD, WDDM usage, which is the Windows Display Driver model, yep. 2.0. For non-SLI multi-GPU configurations, Fermi GPUs use 2.0. In SLI mode, Fermi GPUs will use WDDM 1.3. Application SLI profiles. That's interesting. I wonder if that means, like, I bet in Windows Store games, SLI doesn't work on Fermi. I can't imagine it does. That would be my guess, because they'd have to use WDDM 2.0. Interesting things from drivers, I guess. 
Uh, where are we almost at the end here? Um, you had to add extra stories. I did. I did extra stories. This, what, Josh, what do you make of this graph? This, this JPR noting a huge increase in enthusiast AIBs. Does that look possible to you? Could you say that again? Because you, you just done broke up. It's probably and maybe I even dropped with you. It, well, you're right. So uh, JPR had this story where they talked about a huge increase in enthusiast add-in cards. Yeah, in you, you don't think that graph makes sense, but it kind of does. Okay, why? So yeah. essentially, <clears throat> overall add-in boards have gone down in shipments right. by a pretty significant amount, almost one half. However, of that remaining amount, a larger portion are these enthusiast add-in boards, uh, whether or not, you know, they're like, what, $150 and above? Yeah. But people, I mean, okay, so we've got two things. One, we've got good enough graphics from Intel and AMD and their integrated stuff that people don't mind. And then you've got that group of people, of gamers and whatnot, who say, you know what? That's just not enough for me. I want three monitors. I want them running at 144 hertz. Right. I want to do all these yeah. things. And so I need a certain amount of, of, of horsepower to be able to do these things. And so they're a higher proportion of the people who are buying these boards rather than just the average user who's spending 80 bucks on a really low-end board. Because... That same performance can be given by free by Intel and AMD on their CPUs and APU. Right. Now, so we've jo- seen that shift up. Now, Josh, do you think um, the pending VR stuff and um, you know uh, augmented reality stuff has some effect on that too? Because people may be thinking about that. That oh, I, I'll upgrade my video card and. Uh, you know, uh, be ready. I don't think so. I think that may be just a uh, kind of organic growth of, of PC gaming, and uh, it's it is a it is a growth industry. I mean, certainly everybody thought that hey, consoles are going to take over everything, but you've got seven years in between hardware upgrades, and people can see these these gradual but very significant changes year to year on the PC. I think people are. You know, paying a lot more attention to the PC and, and the things that it can do, and um, this just seems like it's it's an offspurt of that. That that we see these seventy-five to eighty-five to ninety-dollar boards sold sold in nearly the quantity as they used to five years ago. Now, if people want good performance, I mean, they're going to be looking at one hundred fifty dollars minimum, and then everything above that is just kind of gravy. Or not only them and their experience, but these add-in board partners and uh, AMD and, and NVIDIA. Interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, that's, that's higher profitable parts, I guess, as well, in general. Yeah. We, that's, all, that's an improvement. I know you guys talked a lot about uh, the Mobile World Congress stuff while I was there uh, last year. So I'm just going to mention this one thing real fast. Uh, if you haven't seen uh, my little video walkthrough of the Huawei Matebook, Huawei spelled H-U-A-W-E-I. How for... else would you spe- spell it? Wait a minute. How did... Did, did you see that on that thing? Where yeah. that YouTube video says I'm live on Twitch? Yeah. And then it said I was live on yeah. YouTube? How does it know that? I don't... Interesting. I don't know. I... Okay, anyway, uh, so the Huawei MateBook is a two-in-one. It's a tablet, 
with a keyboard dock type thing, similar to a Surface tablet, yeah. Surface Pro type thing. Very, much slimmer, much sleeker looking than those devices. It's still powered by a Skylake processor. Looks like a leather folio. It does. It's a really, really nice piece of hardware. Uh, I'm trying to get one in for for testing and 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 maybe just so I can have it, you know, so I so I can use it because I like the idea of this. It's like, it's super thin and light. Um, it, the battery life claims are pretty good. Uh, the screen is fantastic. The build quality is great. I know Huawei is not really a well-known brand here in the U.S. This is their first entry into the PC market, which is also interesting. You know, they've done mobile devices. I think Ken, you said this is the first time they've made something that didn't have a modem in it, like I, a WAN yeah. modem. It's at least pretty close, if not. Or at least pretty close. Percent. Yeah. Uh, it's got active stylus. Uh, it has an optional um, uh, USB Type C dock that has gigabit ethernet hdmi and two usb 3.0 ports on it uh, and it's a fully functioning pc uh, and it starts i think as low as 699 with the core m3 processor 128 gigs of storage and eight gigs of ram maybe it was four gigs of ram i don't remember which one it was uh the keyboard feels nice trackpad feels pretty good um and this is going to be available they didn't say exactly but within a couple of months is kind of what they told me so if you haven't seen this video uh, uh on the huawei matebook uh, I would recommend checking it out because I think it, I think it'll be a pretty impressive device. This and I think Samsung launched one at CES as well. These are this is kind of like what Intel envisioned when they built the Core M processor, right? Was this? No, Ryan. Did they? I, and I'm not joking when I ask about this, even though it might sound like a joke. Did they say anything about its um, how it, how well it takes a, a fall? Because I know I you know I. Not for my wife and her cohort uh, to travel a lot when they're working. Um, I looked into some things for them for like Surface Force and all. And Surface Force have some really nice integrated cases with keyboards that are like mil spec drop rated. You can drop them four foot and it won't crack the screen or break it or anything. Did they say anything about that with this Huawei MateBook? No, no, nothing like that. Um, I. Yeah, I mean that's a good question to have uh, on the durability of these types of things. But it's it's thin. It's probably going to be more f- on the more fragile side than like a Surface Pro device would would be. Uh, but I, I, but I really can't say for sure. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the last cleanup thing I wanted to to bring up from Mobile World Congress. Now before we get into our picks of the week, I did want to uh, show this off. So this is what we three D printed <laughs> last week, and this is what Randy three D printed for us last week. Out of sandstone. Yeah, so I didn't know what that was. Like it's resin and sand. So basically. Uh Randy, I won't give his full name just in case Randy S sent me an email, you know, a couple weeks ago, actually less than two weeks ago, saying that hey he made this model. He was taught we were talking about the 3D printing stuff. Um and so he made this, he said and he gave me an update, it was like printing and, and gross depowdering were complete. Post processing and infiltration is tomorrow. Infiltration apparently being the dipping in hardener to pop the colors. Mm. Mm. Right. So there's actually a picture of it. I don't have it on this right machine where like the colors are kind of dim and, and not yeah. filled in all the way. Um, I think you should send me this model so we can see how terrible our version. Yeah, Randy, if you if you if you hear this, send us the model for this so we can try to print it in single color. 
and everyone can laugh at us. And we can compare the difference. <laughs> this is really, really nice. Uh, the company is Triangle Prototype. TrianglePrototype.com is what he has here on the back. Yeah. This is really awesome. I don't know what the uh, si- he, the size of this, but this I would love this to have like – I'm not going to ask him to do something like this for free. Maybe I'll ask how much he will do it. Like a bigger version of this, oh, to, like put like, on a wall or like put on a set or I something. I think they can only make them so big is really? the thing. Yeah. Uh, that, that printer should have I mean, a pretty big I mean it's pretty heavy area. and dense for you know the size that it is. I right. just – like this is something I could see when I'm old and retired one day. You want on your wall. Like I used to do that thing. Right, I don't okay. know, and put it like or you could bury it in the backyard because you're so embarrassed. Ryan's, Ryan's <laughs> already Ryan's already planning a shadow box for his career. Yeah, I got the wafer and then the the PC perspective logo over it, and it's even kind of like angled down so I could get one of those uh, lights you see at museums that like yeah, points and up and it kind of gets a little, little yeah. shadow and stuff on there. I think that's really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so thank you, Randy, for that. That that's pretty awesome, and it shows you like. Obviously, his equipment is a lot higher than the stuff we're playing with right now, but that looks really, really good. Yeah. It looks really good. Yeah. The resolution's really good on it. Yeah. I'm yeah. impressed. All right. Hardware software picks of the week, everybody. Um, I had picked these Tronsmart USB cables, and then I brought them over, and now I don't like them anymore. They're, I mean, so these are USB 2.0 yeah. Type-C cables. It's, it's the cheap way of making a USB Type-C to Type-C cable. Correct. So these are mostly meant for people who are buying phones yeah. that have Type-C connectors that want to charge them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And for sync. $6.99 and sync them, right? Yeah. But there's not going to run at USB 3.0 speeds. At least nope. we don't think so. Could Although, you just try one and see if it works? It just it doesn't have... It doesn't it, have it, all the pins. It doesn't have all the pins. Okay. Yeah. It's a much higher grade cable to do the USB three yeah. speeds. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You can usually tell just by how thin the cables are. So this is a two pack for nine bucks. That's not bad. So it's still a pretty good price. Um, but so when you buy that new Nexus, be sure to pick up a box or two of these. Right. If you get the new Nexus or the LG G five, it uses yeah. Type C. Uh, the Samsung Galaxies S sevens do not, not use no. Type C. The T three. The what? The T three SSD. Yeah, but, but SSD. But performance would that be fast enough for that? No. What? It'd be forty megs a second. It's USB oh, two. Oh, yeah, that cable yeah, would yeah, not yeah. be that great. It would still work, but yeah, know. yeah. I, I, yeah, I was under the impression that those were cables that they sent us that did like USB three point speeds, but or three point one speeds. But oh well, Oops. such is life. Uh, who do we got? Who am I forgetting here? Josh. Everybody forgets me, and that's okay because I'm forgettable. No. Well, anyway, you know what? I <clears throat> sometimes sound like a broken record. But uh, after I have uh, taken my pedals for my racing gear and try to put some lumber behind it so it touches the wall and it doesn't move and bolt things in, it's so much nicer to just have something that works. And this thing apparently does. It's the uh, Thrustmaster Pro set of uh, it's got you know the metal base, the three three uh, three pedals. You can have them in either the F1 or the GT configuration. GT is the pivot point is above F1, pivot point is below. Yep. And I most uh, regular ones Ooh. with the you know like the the oh. T3 RS. Oh, very nice picture. Um, are all F1 with the pedals that 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 rotate from the bottom but the number two 
is what you have in most of your other cars right. and is most popular with pretty much everything. So this thing, uh, it's heavy. It doesn't move. Uh, unless you really pound on it, you can set, set up the pedals how you want it and comfortable, highly configurable. I mean, it's 150 bucks. It's not cheap, but I think that's going to last you a very, 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 very long time. Gotcha. And you can change it around. You'd be happy for once in your life. <laughs> for once. Once. It's okay. I'm all right with that. Cool. Uh, Alan. So, finally upgraded my camera. Finally. Finally. After years. After, well, years. No, 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 no. I had an RX10 Sony. And then I finally got the RX10 II. Uh, mainly because at CES, when I walked over and checked it out, when I was on the. At the show four thing. Weird, I didn't know uh, you covered cameras. Uh, well, I didn't like, you know, I didn't, walk I didn't over see there and write a review on it. Huh. Uh, but I just picked it up real quick and saw the only thing that really bugged me about the awesome lens that's on the RX10 is that its macro was really bad. Like, you couldn't get nice close up shots because if you tried to zoom in to 200 millimeter, you had to be like three feet away from the, the thing you were taking the picture of just because it couldn't focus that close. Uh, this one is almost a foot away at 200 millimeters so the macro is like really really pretty cool and uh we were looking at some video we took today of uh displays running the windmill demo like variable refresh rate stuff mm-hmm. uh, the demo we normally use for the demo that, you right? normally use and take stills of for to see what how overdrive responds mm-hmm. and we were actually able to shoot that at 960 frames per second and watch a 144 hertz g-sync panel you know, like watch the actual pixels rendering or like painting yeah, it's pretty cool from top to bottom. Um, it was pretty cool because you could see exactly if there was any kind of ghosting or how long it was on the screen for or any of that. It was just like you know. So we might have some interesting stuff uh, in future display reviews just by being able to almost stop time with a camera. Plus, it has a pop. Cameras flash. always stop time. Uh, it does have a pop flash? The last one. This is so all the external <laughs> stuff on the RX10 Mark II. It is uh, it is virtually identical. I actually, I actually put it next to my RX10 today, and like the mold that they use for the hand. They just use the, the same die. It's the same molds. Like, have you have you tried the drop test? Uh, no, I'm not going <laughs> to drop this camera. You're still with any return policy. Uh, yeah, yeah, but that whole um, 960. It's really damn fast for a for a capture rate. Oh, it, can yeah. only, it can only do that at a good resolution for two seconds. And by good, I mean like eleven fifty by three something. Yeah, it's like it's really not that great. It's it'll, a, do, and it'll do it for how long? You said it'll do two seconds at that resolution. Okay. Um, it's a, th- can, this, this camera is actually really cool from a technology perspective. Yeah, it's the first camera ever to integrate memory on the sensor, which yep. is why they can do this stuff. Nine, okay, yeah, the, the there, there's, the there's enough buffer on the sensor, HBM essentially. Yeah, that they can dump two seconds of 960 FPS or really high continuous shooting and stuff like that. Yep. And then they offload it to hmm. the memory. And my uh, my other concern was that okay, it's great that it does this high frame rate stuff, but like what happens? You have to know like that the thing is going to happen that you wanted to record. Right. right? It's a very short window. Yeah. So what you can do is once you put it in that mode, uh, you basically hit a button and it like, like you, you get your focus how you want it. And then you hit a button that kind of tells it to like, okay, I'm ready. And then it goes and it basically does a rolling buffer. So you, you stop it and captures the yeah. last. So you, you have the option of either <clears throat> doing at the start or at the end once it's like ready to go. 
So it'll just sit there and it'll, you know, fill the buffer two seconds and then it'll be like, okay, I'm ready. And then whenever you hit record, it locks right. in that right. previous, you know, two seconds worth, nice. which is pretty cool, right? I didn't have to, like, try to game stuff when I was trying to catch the one all blade going by. I could just wait for it to pass sure. and then hit the button. And then, yeah, yeah, and that's then a good feature. It. Yeah. It's good stuff. Right. And it's, it's way faster than the previous model. Like, everything that the camera does is just, like, it's like going from an iPhone to an iPhone S model or something, the equivalent for, like... A camera. I'm not sure that's the best analogy, but I'm okay with that. We'll it's go just with that. stuff's faster. All right. Uh, and Maury, what do you got for us lined up? Um, well, I picked my wife actually picked this up for me. I've been wanting to get. I'm looking for a um, powered screwdriver for the longest time. Just haven't found one that that really fit the bill. Found this uh, flip out. This thing here. Um, it's got a uh, variable. Well, it's not charged right now, but um, it's got a variable switch on it. Uh, you can actually rotate it. Well, you can't really see that, but let me see. You rotate it fully like that. You know, it um, you can bend it like hmm. that. The head bends like that. I mean, you can basically put it at any angle you want. It's a it's a really neat thing. It's eight volts. Um, I believe it's got a lithium ion battery in it, um, and it's somewhere between forty and fifty dollars, depending on um, you know what kind of deal you can find on it. It comes with Phillips flatheads, stars, and um, uh, I think. Uh, Square head uh, drivers. Maury, and it do you wear a, this belt? It has clip? an extension thing too. So, and it also it comes with a nice little uh, belt clip uh, storage. Do you, thing. Do you so, have that belt clip on right now, Maury? No, I do not. Maury. Uh, no, it's look. Ryan's right here. Maury. So I can. Right here. There's. I can back <laughs> Maury up on this. That's a very good pick. I bought. One, I bought one of these in November when I was down in Tampa, because I had to move a house worth of stuff up to my house mm-hmm. with. No tools, like I didn't have any tools with me, so it's like crap. I need like a good screwdriver that can handle all this stuff. And I went to Lowe's and they had those on sale, and I bought one, and it handled everything I needed to handle. Battery life. Did you get laser surgery? Battery life was battery life was fine. I took apart like several tables (coughs) and stuff with it. So it doesn't have removable battery. I see here it's got like an AC adapter. It's just built in. So could you use it with the AC adapter if you needed to? Uh, I don't know. I didn't try. Like a giant extension cord. I don't think you can. I think, I think you have to charge a battery. Does it yeah. actually have enough, enough torque on like it's all good the electronics? To- yeah. electric like, I was, I was wondering how the mechanism, like the the like the mechanism that you can reposition. Like there were points where it was putting so much torque on that that I was like, how is that not breaking? Because it was like actually like trying to pull the, the driver out of my hand. Yeah. With just that amount of torque that it had, and it also I don't know if Maury knows it has a flashlight. Also. I- Yes. Have you figured yes, that I out? That. There's this uh, little... Yeah, I, I put it on. I haven't used it much. Um, I mean, it's, you know... He could probably show it because he has it, but there's a little knob at the very end, and you kind of twist it, and... Um, look at this guy. Oh, look. Yeah, there he is. Look, look. See? It's so, in the video. It, yeah. So okay. it just... And you can, like, reposition oh. which direction the flashlight oh, yeah, points here it is. I got as it. well. Yeah, see, here's So it's really handy. Right so you can see it. See? Yeah. Hmm. You can twist it. Turns on. It, it turns off if you put it down. It turns on when you go to about uh, forty-five degrees, and you can rotate ninety, one twenty. You know, yeah, so it's really neat. I mean, it's a you know, cool little thing, especially if you catch it on sale. <laughs> I'm watching the video, and it said "reach around or over." Reach around. It's like, oh no! I'm glad it wasn't on the screen so Josh would see it. Ken's but, like, uh, sign me up. <laughs> I mean, I mean the, the, the really nice thing about it is it takes a uh, quarter-inch. Bit so you can bit, you don't have to use a bit that comes with you can basically right. use any yeah, bit that you standard. have with it you can get extensions for it and I mean you don't have to buy the flip out stuff you yeah can buy so you can just say take it all anything. bit yeah 
<laughs> All right, everybody, that is going to wrap up the show today. PCPro.com slash podcast is where you can go find the back episodes. Uh, you can find uh, links to the RSS files, links to the video files, links to the YouTube videos, uh, and all the links to the show notes, links and show notes of the things that we talked about today will be will be listed in there as well. Uh, reminders about uh, our big live stream coming up on Sunday from noon to midnight. Uh, join us for any and all of it, hopefully all of it. Uh, if you can, we're going to have lots of hardware to give away. I think a lot of interesting discussions to have, some interesting demonstrations and table builds and stuff going on. Look, we spent a lot of time just cleaning up this place to even make try to make room. Even though you can't tell at all. You can't tell any of it. I'm not convinced the stream is actually happening. I think you just want to be clean in the office. Yeah, I'm actually just going to sleep in Sunday. I'll be, I'll be in it too. If you guys get started, that'd be great without me anyway. Great. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and also, don't forget, uh, we've had a couple people donate to the Patreon during the stream, and we greatly appreciate it. If you go to patreon.com slash PCPark, get us over that second hump so we can start getting towards that third hump. And Josh knows the third hump is the best hump. Yeah, buddy. I'll take one hump. <laughs> Not from me, good sir. Uh, that's it for us, everybody. We'll see you next time. And hopefully we'll see you Sunday. I'm Ryan Schrupp. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Alan Valentano. Now I'm Mari Bye.